in our lives, and we pray that you would help us to uh, get the truth from your word that is so needful in our lives, and that we will um, uh, integrate it into our lives, that the Holy Spirit will give us understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18 is where we've started the last two weeks in the topic of God's will uh, for you. And I used to... Uh, I used to tell people all the time, it's, it's not the business of the preacher to tell you what God's will for your life is, but I've been mistaken in that, in that uh, God tells us what His will is in the Scriptures, and we, if we're to preach all of Scripture, line upon line, and precept upon precept, then we have to deal with this as well. And I know what we mean by that, and I do still hold to the fact that a preacher does not have any uh, insight or some extra biblical revelation from God as to His course for your life or His plan for your life within His will. But we certainly do know from Scripture what God's will is for us. And we ought to be yielded to that, be obedient to that, be submissive to that. In First Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 18, we find the first of several that we'll be studying uh, regarding what God's will for us is. And the first one we found uh, a couple weeks ago when we started is that Paul writes, "...in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." And uh, Boy, that is a strong statement, is it not? It is, it's easy to know, and it's hard to practice. Uh, "...in everything give thanks." And uh, there were four uh, establishing statements we gave, just kind of foundational statements regarding this, for, or three of them, I'm sorry. First of all, God wants us to know His will, and He has chosen to reveal that to us in His Word. God wants us to know His will, and He chose to reveal that to us in His Word. That His will will only be found in His Word by the teaching of it and the authenticating work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Uh, The fact that the Holy Spirit verifies that, puts it in our hearts, that this is truth. And and He gives us the understanding and illumination of the, the truth of God's Word. And then thirdly, we said this, His will will never contradict or be in conflict with either His Word or His character. His will will never be contradict or conflict with His Word or His character. Um, I've heard people in the past uh, come to me and say, Boy, it's God's will I do this, and it's something that I know Scripture speaks very strongly against. And I will tell you this, any time that... We say God's will is something, and the Word of God teaches the opposite of that. You can mark it down. It is not God's will. He will never go against Himself. He'll never go against His character. And so, very important we understand kind of these foundational concepts with regards to His will. That being said, the first one we've dealt with is that we know it to be the will of God, that we give thanks in everything. And we gave you six things till now uh, that will hinder us from doing the will of God in this area of giving thanks. Uh, the first one we had was an unredeemed soul. It is, it is impossible for an unsaved person to give the kind of thanks that God is speaking here and to do the will of God. We found that in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21. We found number two, that doubts, being doubtful of things uh, in our life, not understanding that God's hand is at work in our life. Uh, doubting the circumstances that come into our life. Romans 8.28, But we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And when we doubt that, we do not give thanks. We are ungrateful. Uh, thirdly, ignorance. 
not seeing God's hand of blessing in our life, being ignorant of, not being aware of it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 14, and Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. We found in Jeremiah chapter 17 that there, were, uh, there was the cursed man that uh, trusted in man and made that his strength, and he was uh, trusting in his own strength. And then there was the blessed man who, uh, whose hope was in the Lord. And both of them were blind. It was what they were blind to that made the difference. The cursed man was blind to that which was good. He could not see when the good came. And the blessed man was the man who did not see when the heat came, when the difficult things of life came. He only saw the good that God had brought into his life. Number four, we said that pride, pride will make us unthankful. We'll become self-sufficient. We'll think that the things that we accomplish in our life are because of our hard work and because we've, uh, we've accomplished it. But the truth is, God has allowed us to do all of this. John chapter 3, verse 27. John chapter 15 and verse number 5. We've already dealt with these, so we're not teaching or preaching on them a second time. Number five, uh, anger and bitterness. Anger and bitterness will keep us from being thankful. Uh, all of Psalm 73, but especially as we get to verse number 17, uh, we find that pride and uh, will call, or I'm sorry, anger and bitterness will cause us not to be great, grateful. And uh, this is the psalm where David uh, was upset. He was angry because he saw the wicked prosper, and he was getting very bitter. And the truth is, he wasn't so much bitter at the wicked; he was bitter at God for allowing them to prosper. And here he is, uh, not prospering. He's he's struggling at that point. And um, in verse 17. Uh, David realized and recognized. He said, then, then when I went into the sanctuary, he said, I, I understood their end. I understood their end. And uh, he began to be thankful for what God was doing in his life. Um, I remember growing up, uh, my parents uh, were, were pretty strict. In fact, Brother Bill Rudd was here a couple of weeks or so ago on Sunday, and he, uh, he was telling you some, some of the things that, you know, I wasn't allowed to do hardly anything. I couldn't even sneeze funny, and my mom and dad would get mad at me. And uh, we, I grew up in a very sheltered home, very protected home. And, um, and some people say, well, why didn't, you know, a lot, of, a lot of kids, as they get to be teenagers, they rebel against that. And the truth is, I, I don't ever remember a time. I remember telling the guys here the other day, I don't ever remember a time where I had rebellious thoughts to my mom and dad. Now, it didn't mean that I always liked what they did uh, as far as my, the standards they held me to. And that we, uh, there were a lot of times my friends were going out doing things that I didn't think were anything sinful or wrong with Scripture. And Mom and Dad just didn't want me going around there because of the kind of people that were going to be there. They were afraid I was going to get influenced by them. And, uh, and I, I could look back even at a, as 52 years of age, almost 53 years of age, and I've told my parents both this, and my dad before he passed and my mom, I've told them many, many times, I am thankful for how they raised me. I wasn't always super happy about it as a young person, but I am thankful that they raised me that way. And oftentimes in the Christian life, and I think the psalmist was here in Psalm 73, oftentimes our life doesn't go the way we necessarily think it should go. Talk to Job about that. See what his attitude would be. And it would be tempting, and is it not tempting, when our life isn't, what we thought it would be. When we're facing some pretty dark storm clouds ahead, we know the storm's coming, or sometimes we don't, and it just comes anyway. 
And it is easy, is it not, to at least become questioning of God, saying, God, I just don't understand why you're doing this to me. To have some bitterness, to have some anger, to have some lack of faith in trusting Him. When those storm clouds come, I preached a message a number of years ago when I was going through some very difficult times on are you a Job or a Jonah? And I do think that every time we go through the dark storm clouds, we need to look at it and say, is this God testing me because of me doing right? Or is this God chastening me for doing wrong? And I do think we ought to ask those questions and look carefully in our hearts every time that happens. But can I encourage you and challenge you and charge you, don't ever get angry or bitter at God. Because either one of them is for our good. Whether it's the testing of God or the chastening of God, they both are for our good and for His glory, and we need to give thanks for it. All right, number six we gave you towards the end of last week, and I think this is the one we ended on. Uh, The pursuit of pleasure. The pursuit of pleasure. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of the Father, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And uh, the pursuit of pleasure uh, will cause us to not be thankful. Our purpose and what God desires for us is to put our affection on, on the things of the Lord and on heavenly things. We're going to talk a little bit about some of that here, Lord willing, in a few moments. And then First um, Timothy chapter number 4, uh, verses 7 to 10, and First John chapter 2. Verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the fact that we're not to have our love and our affection on the things of this world. Uh, And then this last one, I don't think we got to last week, so we're going to start here. And that is a critical spirit. A critical spirit will keep us from doing the will of God and giving thanks in all things. Why are we critical? You You ever ask that question, what causes us to have a critical spirit. And the truth of the matter is, you can boil it down every time, a lack of gratitude. We're not thankful for it, therefore we become critical of it. We don't like it. We're not grateful for what, what is happening here. Look with me in Job 1. Job 1, and if I did teach this last week, I, we're going to reteach it for a second. because it. Uh, so bear with us. Job 1. And I've used this verse before. I love, I love, it's one of my favorite verses about Job in all of Job, I think. Uh, Job chapter number 1. And this is after Job has lost his children, uh, his flocks, his servants. He became, he was one, in fact, not one of, he was the greatest at that time uh, in the land, uh, in, that, in that area of the country. God had prospered him so mightily. And he lost everything within an hour. And then he gets to this place where his, uh, he, he's had people that uh, are coming to him and saying, you know, why is all this happening? And verse number 21, here's what he says. And, and said, right, let's go to verse 20. And Job rose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Now, there's two things we find in verse 20. We do find sorrow. I'm not saying that sorrow is wrong. But he worshipped God in spite of the sorrow. Uh, I, there was a song a number of years ago. Uh, my sister used to sing it in a group. And the gist of the song is, God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing around you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. God wants to hear you sing. And the worship that we can give to Him. 
Why? Because it expresses our faith and our gratitude in Him. And then he goes on to say this in verse 21. This is the one I love so much. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What an attitude. I read that, and, and I just it moves me to tears. It really does. And I think, Lord, help me to have that kind of spirit. What a spirit. Help me to have the kind of spirit that Job had, to, to have that kind of mindset. You know what gave Job that kind of spirit? He was an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil. I found that men that walk closest and women that walk closest to God are generally the ones that have the ability to be grateful and to be thankful in all things. And so a critical spirit will rob you of being being grateful. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And let's look in verse number 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 14. Knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us also raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you for all things. I want you to notice this statement. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward, though our outward man perish, Yet the inner man, the inward man, is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul writing to the church at Corinth during a time where persecution was rampant. They were being look at verse number eight for a minute. This is where they were at. We are troubled on every side. That means everywhere they turned, there was trouble. There was no place to retreat. There was no place to go where the trouble was not on that side. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And he tells them in verse number 15, for all things are for your sakes. The persecution that comes your way is for your good. And it's for the glory of God. You say, how is it for my good? It gives us, and I don't know if I've ever seen this early on in my life at least, but it gives us an opportunity to be strong in our faith and to glorify God through the trial. When things are going well, people don't look at you and say, boy, God has sure given you strength. They don't look at your life and say, boy, that God that you serve, He sure has given you grace during this time. What a great God you serve. Not during the good times. 
It's during those valleys. It's during those troubling times. It's during the times that are hard for us that He allows us the privilege to be steadfast and faithful and to, with thanksgiving, give glory to Him. Because He says in verse 15, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. It gives us an opportunity to bring glory to Him. Oh, what a, what a thrill it is. I don't enjoy the persecution, but I can give thanks for it. I don't enjoy the dark trials, but I can give thanks for it. What a wonderful truth there is. Alright, so these are things that will hinder us from giving thanks. The critical spirit, the pursuit of pleasure, anger and bitterness, pride, ignorance, doubt, and an unredeemed soul. So what are some things that will help us to accomplish? All right, We're going to switch gears for a minute now and see, are there some things in Scripture that we have reason to give thanks for that will help us if we can keep them in mind, keep them before our thoughts, that will help us to be grateful and thankful and to be able to do the will of God in this area of giving thanks in all things. Look with me first of all in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've tried to put these in order of... The chronology or the, the the books of the scripture of the New Testament, so we should be able to just keep turning the same direction. You don't have to go back and forth in your Bible. All right, so uh, these are not in any particular order. I tried to put them in a easier format for us to get through because I wanted to get through tonight if we can. Uh, it's a great lesson, but three weeks is enough on it. All right, so First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and uh, let's look in verse number fifty-seven. The Bible says this. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I wrote this down. Living with a conscious understanding that God has given us victory in this life. Now, that's an easy phrase to say. What has He given us victory over? I understand He's given us victory over death and hell and the grave, and that speaks to what we will get on the other side of this life when we get into heaven. But has God given us some victory on this side of heaven? Absolutely. He's given us victory in the area of sin in our lives, and I wrote down three areas. He gave us victory over the power of sin. Romans tells us that sin no more reigns in my mortal body. He's given us victory over the penalty of sin. I'm thankful I no longer have to go to hell to pay for my sin. He has imputed His righteousness to me. And then He has given us victory over the persuasiveness of sin, the temptations of sin. He's made a way of escape every time. And folks, if there's nothing else we can give God thanks for, we can give thanks to Him for giving us victory. I don't care how dark the clouds may be, and you say, I can't thank Him. I'm going through too much. Yes, you can. Because He sure has given us some victory, hasn't He? These are some things that will help us to follow the will of God in giving thanks in all things. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
And let's look in verse number 15. Oh, I love this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse number 15. Thanks be unto God for His, look at this word here, unspeakable gift. What was the unspeakable gift of God? Somebody tell me, what was the unspeakable gift of God? He gave His Son for us. And and what Paul is speaking about here is not that that gift should not be spoken about. What he's trying to refer to here, and I, I looked up the definition of unspeakable in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and here's what it said. Cannot be adequately uttered or expressed. And it gave an illustration of someone who was unspeakably sorrowful. Where your heart is so sorrowful, you can't really express it or utter it. There's no words that can express the level of sorrow. And yet here, the word is used in expression of the gift that God has given to us. The fact that Christ came and died for our sins, the fact that God loved us enough in the fact that we were while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, is something that ought to be so overwhelming to our hearts that we cannot adequately ever express it. I think so often we make common, even in our own minds and even in the way we express it to others, we make common the salvation that God has given to us. We talk about the fact, uh, well, yeah, I'm saved. Well, wait a minute. Was it an unspeakable gift? Is it something that when we ponder it and we meditate on it and we think about it, is it something that so overwhelms our hearts we cannot put into words the gratitude that we have to God for this. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. I fear so often, we sometimes as Christians become so accustomed to maybe the terminology, or maybe because we go to church and we hear it preached, the message of salvation. I love the song in our songbooks that we sing. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story. One of the verses says, More wonderfully sweet, what seems each time I tell it, more wonderfully sweet, it says. I love to tell the story. Telling somebody the gospel story ought not be a drudgery. It ought not to be a duty. It ought not to be something that we feel like we're obligated to or we have to do. We ought to be so overwhelmed with what God has done for us, it just bubbles out of us. We can't help but tell somebody about it. It ought to abundantly come out of us. Why? Because truly it's an unspeakable gift. We ponder. I, I think there are times that, that there are some that even sat in, they're sitting here tonight in this room that could speak of times where they were so sorrowful that they could not even speak. About five and a half, six years ago, I went through about eight months 
And I'm not lying to you. I, I, I will tell you this as honestly as I can tell you. Some of you that know me now, you think, boy, I'm, I'm, I, I'm outgoing. I talk to people. Folks, for about eight months, I wanted to crawl in a hole. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to talk to people. And the sorrow of my heart was so great that even when people tried to bring comfort to me, I couldn't even speak of it. So overwhelmed my heart. Why? Why do we not feel such about the unspeakable gift that God has given to us? So overwhelmed by the gift of salvation that it is not commonplace. That it is not a, a hindrance or an obligation to, boy, i, I got to go out and tell somebody about Christ today. No, no. It ought to be the natural thing that expresses out of the heart of a Christian. I've shared many times before about my friend, Brother Wayne Corfman. He's getting up in years. I saw him a few months ago when I was down to visit my mother. Every time I see him now. I hug his neck. I tell him how much I love him. Because I don't expect to see him again. He's becoming very frail and God may take him before the rapture. I remember sitting over at his apartment one night. I went over to try to be an encouragement to him. He uh, had lost his wife, Catherine. Precious, precious lady. They'd been married for many, many years. She had gotten pneumonia in Ohio, and he was anxious to get down to Florida to our church for the winter. He went to the doctor, got her some medicine. She started feeling a little better, and he said, well, let's go ahead and go. And they started on the trip, and as they went to Florida, she got worse. By the time they got to Florida, within a few hours, they had to take her to the hospital, and within a day or so, she had passed. He was broken heart, the love of his life. A few months after that, I went over to his apartment and as I would try to go over every once in a while just to sit with him and talk with him. And Brother Wayne, uh, Brother Wayne stutters when he talks, especially when he gets emotional or excited about something. He has a really, really difficult stutter. We were talking about God. Talking about how good God was. And... Uh, he made a statement to me. I'll never forget it. He said, Brother Greg, he said, we're, we're never, never, never embarrassed to talk, talk, talk about the ones we love. The tears were streaming out of his face. He said, I never have a problem telling people about my Catholic. And he said, I don't ever want to have a problem telling somebody about my God. But thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. I've heard people say, well, I get embarrassed. I'm too shy. Folks, there's nothing special about it just become so overwhelmingly in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have such a deep gratitude and love for what He has done for us. Just let it spill out. Just let people know. Tell everybody you can. 
spend another hour or so on this topic alone, but I will go ahead and move on. Ephesians chapter 5, if you will. Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says in verse number 18, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I often wondered about that verse. and there's a, I thought, what is being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit? How do you justify those being even in the same verse together? And the comparison, the contrast is actually being made here between a man who's controlled being drunk by the, by the, 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 the wine and that one who is controlled or filled with the Spirit he's yielded to and he allows the Holy Spirit to work in his life. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, he says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for, what's the next two words here? All things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's well, another way that we can fulfill God's will in giving thanks in all things? Be filled with the Spirit. You say, what does that mean, Brother Greg? Completely yield yourself to His leading. Allow Him to control you the same way that a drunken man allows alcohol to control him when he's drunk. I'm not talking about this idea of being drunk in the Spirit that some of these guys talk about in church and they got people stumbling all over the place acting like fools. I'm talking about a man who will yield himself to the Holy Spirit's leading. To come to this book as an empty vessel and ask God's Holy Spirit to engrave and embed the truth of this Word in our hearts and that He will then take it and produce the fruit that He has in us. This is being filled with the Spirit. The, the alternative to that is either grieving or quenching Him. There's only three things you can do with Him. You can be filled with Him, you can grieve Him, or you can quench Him. And if I'm going to fulfill the will of God in my life by giving thanks in all things, it will require that I am filled with the Spirit. That I am following His leading in my life. I am completely yielded Him. I was talking to a fellow this week going through some trials. A, a godly man, a, a man I've encouraged and, and looked up to and, and been encouraged by in ministry over the years. He's going through some difficulties, some problems, some trials. He has been for a while now, and we've talked a, a few times, several times, and he's shared with me several times. He said, Greg, I've taken my hands off of just letting God, I've put it in God's hands. But then he worries about it all the time. And he called me the other day and we were talking, struggling with the same thing still. And I said, have you ever, I said, have you gotten to the point where you've just completely given it to God? Oh, yeah, yeah, I give it to God. I've prayed and I've told Him that. I said, but yet you're still sitting here worried over it. He said, it doesn't sound to me like you've handed it to Him. It feels like you've said you were going to, and then you've kept a hold of it. We talked for about a half an hour on that, and the tears flowed on both sides of the telephone. 
he said, it could be. And even though I thought I have given him complete control of the situation, I have probably still held on to it. I don't know what it is about our human nature, but we don't like to relinquish control. And if we're going to fulfill the will of God to give thanks in all things, it's going to require that we relinquish control and give it to the Holy Spirit. To take my will and set it aside and say, Lord, I want only Your will in my life. Colossians chapter 3. I'm sorry, Colossians, yeah, Colossians chapter, I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 1 first. Then we're going to move to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. I love this one too. This is a, well, I tell you, I can, there, we can have a sermon on each of these. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. It doesn't say that He has made us partakers of the saints of light. It says that He has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. He has done a transforming work and an imputing of His righteousness that has taken an old rotten sinner and made him meet, M-E-E-T, suitable. Made him worthy of the inheritance of the partakers of the saints of life. What a great, great verse. We have an awful lot to give thanks to God for, don't we? When I got saved... I went from not even being able to fellowship with God to having the record of the Lord Jesus Christ laid on my account so that I could fellowship with God. I can walk with God. I can talk with God. But thanks be unto God. I couldn't do it. There was nothing that could be done to that I could do on my side of things to restore fellowship with God. There's nothing that could be done on my side to make me suitable, to make me worthy of the inheritance of the saints of life. But God did it. And you and I have an awful lot to be thankful for. He did a transforming work in my life. And above the transforming work that He did in my life, He took the righteousness of His own Son and put it on my record. And by the way, if you're saved here tonight, He did the same for you. Don't tell me we don't have anything to be thankful for. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 17. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. We're almost done. Just one more after this. Maybe two or three. No, we'll do just one more after this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatsoever ye... What's the next little two-letter word there? Do. Whatsoever ye do in word or in deed. Or, or word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father 
by Him. I wrote down this. Our words and our deeds being done in the name of the Lord Jesus is another cause for you and I to give thanks. Because notice what he's saying here. Whatsoever we do in word or in deed, do all, that means every word that comes out of my mouth, every deed that I do is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it'll change how we talk if we understand that truth. It'll change how we act when we understand that truth. And so he says, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's something to give thanks for. Because what I used to be, how I used to act, how I used to talk, is not the way I still act. And it's not the way I still talk. And only God is the one I can thank for that. Well, what a great truth. What a great truth. By the way, this is the will of God for every one of us. You say, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Give thanks in all things. And there is plenty to give Him thanks for. It's not even a scratch looking around in the rubbish trying to find something throughout the day to give Him thanks for. If we live with these truths consciously on our mind... We're going to be like that blessed man in Jeremiah chapter 17 that cannot see when the heat cometh. Everything we, we see, we're thanking God for. I remember the story of Evangelist Billy Sunday years ago, who had been a wicked baseball player, ungodly, had been a drunkard, and in all the, the, the houses of, uh, of ill repute, and had a horrible, horrible life. And God saved him miraculously, called him to preach. Billy Sunday wrote his notes in inch-high letters when he began to preach. Not because he couldn't see very well, but because he was moving on the platform so fast, he had to glance at the pulpit as he ran by. One night, some old friends of his that were tired of him praising God everywhere he went and thanking God for everything that happened in his life, they said, we're going to get him. One night, when he was walking home, they hid by some bushes on the side of the road. They cried out, Billy, it's Sunday. And he looked around. What's going on? He said, who's there? This is the devil. He said, praise God, glory, hallelujah. They said, what are you shouting about? He said, I didn't know you were so far away. He said, the story's told of him. I'm not sure how accurate it all is, but all that we could have that kind of a spirit. Some people say, oh, I can't believe Satan's over there. Praise God, he's over there, not right here. There are things plenty enough to give thanks to God for. Look with me lastly in Hebrews chapter 13. Folks, I'm going to tell you this. I've given you some Scripture, and I've given you a lot of things about both things that will hinder and things that will allow us to give thanks. I'll tell you this. It is a drop in the bucket on both sides of what the Bible has to say about the subject. You could, you could spend a year looking for these things in Scripture and not exhausting. There are so many things for us to give God thanks for. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15. 
The writer of Hebrews says this, By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. I want to read that again. I want you to think about what it's saying here. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. The sacrifice of praise being given continually. He defines that. He says that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Think about that last expression for a minute. You ever thought about what the fruit of our lips is? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Look at Matthew chapter 12 and let's see what the fruit is and then we'll be done. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew chapter 12. Verse number 34, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And He says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? He makes two statements here. He says, you are evil. Your being, your heart, the inner man, you are evil. And because of that, your lips cannot speak good things. He said, how can that happen? can't happen. For out, notice what he, Jesus says here. He makes the, 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 the principle here. For out of the, what's the next word here? Abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaketh. Alright? Let's go back to the fruit of our lips. You ever heard the expression, I spoke without thinking? For a Christian, that should not even be a dangerous thing. Because the heart ought to be so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that even when we speak without thinking, the fruit of our lips is giving praise to God. Why? Because Jesus said it best. Out of the heart... Man, uh, uh, the, the mouth speaketh. Is that what this says? No, it doesn't say out of the heart the mouth speaketh. It says out of the abundance of the heart. Jonathan and I went to Oshkosh the other day. I asked him on Sunday morning uh, or Saturday night, Sunday morning when he got home from uh, church uh, with his mom. I asked him. I said, "Hey, you're going to get home before I do. Get me a suitcase out." And I unpack my clothes when I get home. And so I get to the house, and I've got four days of clothes to put in a suitcase and all the other stuff that goes with that. And he had a suitcase on my bed. Can I tell you this, that I tried stuffing as much in there as I possibly could. And then I twisted it, and I pushed it, and I prodded it, and I tucked it, and I rolled it, and I crimped it. And then I pushed on the lid, and I pulled that zipper as hard and as tight as I could. And it was so abundant, it would not fit 
And I tell you, that ought to be the fruit of our lips when it comes to praising God. Our hearts should be so overwhelmed with gratitude and thanks that it ought to be even when we're not thinking and our mouth engages before our brain. It ought be the fruit of our lips that when we speak without thinking, it's praise to God. It's not that. I can attest to that, and I'm sure if we had a show of hands, most everybody here could say, it's not bad in my life all the time. But it should be. And it ought to be something we work towards. It ought to be something we say, Lord, help me to have that kind of a heart. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God, help us to have that kind of heart. Let's stand together and be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. Forgive us for being so enamored with this world, so